And before we get into the text today, I have two hopes for us that as we look at this idea of gathering, uh, the first hope is that we will be reoriented to the reasons why we gather as a community of missionaries. Why do we gather? Why do we do this thing called gathering on Sundays, on Wednesdays, throughout the week? The second hope for today is that we would be invited into taking up our role in God's story, that we would have a tangible next step uh, that connects to this idea, this practice of gathering. And so before we get into it, I'm going to take a minute and just pray. Father God, we thank you uh, that we have the ability to gather with others, um, to gather with the people that confess your name, uh, to gather with your spirit. God, we thank you uh, for your presence. Uh, We ask that you would speak today. Help us to listen to what it is that you have for us today, God. We love you and in your name, amen. Well, I want to share two stories with you to start. Uh, The first story is going to include muscle cars and chili dogs, and the second story is going to include a playground and Rev Run from Run DMC. So first story, um, a few years ago, my dad, my brothers, and I, we all went to Barrett-Jackson, which was just up here in Scottsdale. My older brothers and my dad love cars, love classic cars, muscle cars. Me, not so much. Like, I know enough about cars to hang with them. Um, But eventually I will run out of things to say because I just lack a lot of knowledge. Um, But when it comes to like kitchen utensils, like I'm your guy. Like come see me. So anyway, we go early in the morning when it opens. We're there like 7 a.m. We get our tickets. We're standing in line. And if you've never been to Barrett-Jackson, it is massive. There is just tent after tent after tent filled with cars. And you could literally spend all day there, maybe even multiple days, and still not see everything that it has there. And so my brothers and I... My dad were there. We go into the first tent, and it's kind of like you walk into this tent, and there's just rows of cars next to each other. And the way we did it was we kind of just walked in. You know, we're looking at the first car. You know, they're all talking about, like, what they like about it, like the horsepower. And I'm like, yeah, how about that fender? That's, that's a nice fender. And, and then, you know, we're looking in it, and that's nice leather. Okay. And then we go to the next car and just repeat. And it's the whole thing, right? Every single car, you just kind of repeat. And... You go throughout the tent, and you finish one tent, and then you walk into the next tent, and you just continue to do the same thing over and over. It's just cars, hundreds of cars, right? And so the day goes on, and eventually it's like 2.30, and we've been in like three or four tents at this point, and I was getting kind of hungry. I was like, hey, anyone else getting hungry? Like, Nikolai could eat here. And so we decided we're going to go get some lunch, and we went to Pertillo's, which is just down the road from where Barrett-Jackson is held. And Pertillo's is like a Chicago-based restaurant, hamburgers, hot dogs, fries, all that good stuff. So we get in line, we order. Um, Anytime my family goes to Pertillo's, we usually get the same thing. They're known for like an Italian beef sandwich. It's delicious. Thinly sliced beef, sweet peppers, really good bread. So we get that um, and some fries and a drink. And then my middle brother, though, he decides to go for a chili dog. But not just one chili dog. He orders four chili dogs also a side of fries and a milkshake. He was not scared. He was going hard that day. And so we eat, and, you know, we're talking about the cars, and they're talking about the horsepower, and I'm like, yeah, that fender was nice on that one Camaro, you know. And we're rehashing kind of the highlights of the day, and all of a sudden, we kind of are finishing up our lunch, and my dad's like, well, you guys ready to get back? And I'm like, yeah, it's like 3.30. Let's, let's get going. And my brother's like, yeah, let's get going. Let's head back. And so we're driving down on the 101, and And my dad just 
turns. Like, he gets off the 101 not to go south and go home. Uh, we're going back to Barrett-Jackson. And I'm like, oh, when he said we're going back, he meant back to Barrett-Jackson, not back home. And I was really disappointed. Um, and I think I was texting Britt like, hey, I am not coming home right now. Like, I don't know when I'm going to be here. They are my ride. So we go back, and, you know, we're on, like, tent five, six, and we're repeating. And I've, I've ran out of things to say at this point. My middle brother, he's in the bathroom because, you know, four chili dogs. He missed all the afternoon. Um, this story really just ends around like 9 p.m. when we're finally done at Barrett-Jackson. I think I found a bench to take a nap on at some point. Uh, story one, Barrett-Jackson chili dogs. Story two, it involves a playground and rev run from Run DMC. Uh, about 13, 14 years ago when Britt and I were living uh, in Chicago, we were a part of a church plant there, a really small church, but it was housed in this really old church building, like 1920s old. And the playground was also 1920s old. Like you could probably get tetanus just by looking at the playground. It was that old. And so somehow um, our church was gifted a brand new playground. All we had to do was provide people to put it in one day. And it was through like this um, program called like Kaboom. If you've ever seen the Parks and Rec episode, Kaboom, right? Just kaboom it. Um, so it was that company, and they came out, and there was crews of people that our church provided. There was, there was like a food crew that was just in charge of making food all day, right? You're making breakfast in the morning, then you transition to having lunch going, and then there's a work crew. You know, you're digging holes, you're putting the poles in the ground, you're tightening stuff. It's like Ikea, but times 10 worse. Like your hands have blisters two hours in. And so this you show up early, right? You're getting this playground going, and you start to see this playground transform, right? What was this old, dingy playground that you couldn't go on? It starts to become this beautiful, brand new playground. And as the day goes on, right, sun's kind of starting to set. This limo rolls into the church parking lot. And this was an area of Chicago. You didn't really see limos very often. And if you did, it caught your attention. And so out of the limo comes Rev Run from Run DMC and his wife, uh, so they come over to the playground, you know, they're doing their thing, they're saying hi to everyone. Um, Rev runs moving some wood chips around with his shovel, which wasn't really helpful because we had just got done laying them, but uh, you know, he's doing the thing. Um, and he's in like his full Adidas tracksuit, like he looked, looked fly, it was good. Um, you know, he does this thing, moves some wood chips around, says hi, and then him and his wife skedaddle out of there. And the sun goes down, we finish, right, so in one day, this playground is transformed. Now, how do those two stories connect? I share those two stories because in the first one with my dad and my brothers and I, that we all went to Barrett Jackson that day for different reasons, right? My dad was there because he loves um, Corvettes. He just wanted to look at Corvettes all day. My oldest brother was there because he was legitimately trying to decide what kind of car he might buy. My middle brother was there for the chili dogs. And I was there because my brothers aren't in town very often. I wanted to hang out with them, right? All for very different reasons, all good reasons. But we were there for very different reasons. And that second story, right, everyone was there that day to build a playground, maybe minus Rev Run, okay? But everyone was there for the same reason, right? We were gathered to see a playground transformed. And I share those two stories uh, because today we want to be reoriented and to the reasons why we gather, right? When we have the same reasons, uh, same motivations to, to gathering as a people of God, powerful things can happen. 
Priya Parker, uh, she wrote the book called The Art of Gathering. If you've never read the book, it's a, it's a fabulous read. It's not from the lens of the true story, but it's a good book about just why people gather and how to structure those times. She says this. She says, the way we gather matters, and yet most of us spend very little time thinking about the actual ways we gather. And that's one of the things we want to do today. We want to think intentionally about why we do this thing. Right? Why do we show up on Sunday mornings? Why do we go to MC gatherings throughout the week? Why? What's the purpose of it? And so I'm going to give you a couple minutes to turn and talk in groups. Um, what motivates you to come to gatherings? And if you're um, like, well, my parents make me, try to think about why your parents make you come. Um, and also, I would encourage you to think outside of just Sundays. Yes, we gather as people on Sundays, but why uh, what motivates you to come on Wednesdays when you have an MC gathering? What motivates you to come? So I'll give you a few minutes to turn and talk in small groups, and then we'll pull it back to you. All right. If you um, are not on Instagram or weren't on Instagram the last 24 hours, uh, there, Kevin posted a question that was similar to this, and I really enjoyed seeing the responses uh, from maybe those of you in the room or those people that are not here of what motivates them to come to Sunday. What's their favorite aspect about gatherings? Um, and I thought there was an interesting connection between a lot of the answers, um, and it involved people. A lot of people's responses, um, the reason that they enjoy gatherings or the, what motivates them to come is the people that come to the gatherings. And if that is not what you said, that's okay. It doesn't mean that that answer is better. Um, sometimes the, the thing that might motivate you is the quiet drive coming in. Or maybe you were looking forward to the meal that's going to happen after, right? Those are all good motivations. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bible or your phone, I would encourage you to start flipping there. Um, but before we get into Hebrews and dig into this idea of why we gather, we want to be reminded of the gospel, of the true story, right? Before we get into what we do, we want to examine what is true. So what is true should be shaping the things that we do, the practices that we engage in. And so in the first act of the story, right, that down arrow, creation, God was setting a time and a space to gather with his people. In the cool of the day, he was walking with them, he was teaching them the best possible way to live. They weren't scared, they weren't afraid, they were enjoying one another and God in regular rhythms. Then one of the days out of the seven, God sets aside, right, the whole day to be with them, and he called that day the Sabbath. Other gods had temples to meet in, but the creator God made a whole day to be with his people and to let them be with each other without working, without producing, just to be with him. And the second act, right, the X, rebellion, Adam and Eve choose to live for themselves and to not be with God. Right? But they chose instead to spend time with the tempter and listen to his voice. Then when God came to them to spend time with them, instead of running into his arms, they hid in the shadows. Right, They moved out of the space that God had created for them. In the third act and promise, God literally built the calendar of the Hebrew people around gatherings, festivals, party, part, parties, holy days. Right? Weekly, people were gathering, sometimes daily. The Sabbath day was called holy and implemented as a countercultural rhythm 
that God's people would gather together with him and continue learning the best possible way to live. And the fourth act, church. Right? We, uh, not church, what is it? Redemption, there we go, thank you. In the fourth act, we see Jesus, right? Jesus regularly gathering together for teaching, for meals, for life, and gathered with the rest of the Jewish people in the temple. He called 12 young men to follow him and made space to gather with them, men and women who wanted to follow him. In the fifth act, church, there we go, there it is. We see God send his spirit and that his church gets together regularly. It's what we're going to be looking at here in a minute when we get to Hebrews, right? But even on the day one of the church in Acts, right, we see the people of God teaching, taking time at the table, praying, meeting each other's needs, serving their neighbors, making new disciples. And in the sixth and final act, the vision is that God is going to gather together all who have bowed their knee to King Jesus. And it will be people of every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around Jesus, enjoying his presence, enjoying restored earth. See, from creation to restoration, there is a thread that goes through every act of the story of people gathering, right? God gathering with people and the people of God gathering. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verse 19. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. One of the reasons why we gather as a community is to encounter God's presence. See, we gather in anticipation of what God might say and do. And the book of Hebrews has been building towards this idea that we get the privilege to encounter God's presence because of what Jesus has done. We now can enter into his presence, right? The curtain is gone. He is here. We can draw near. That's good news, Missio. Hebrews is highlighting the reason why we can come to worship, right? Christ. It is only because of Christ's blood on the cross, his death and his resurrection, that we have full access to him. The language in verses 19 through 21 is Old Testament language, right? It's hitting on this idea that ancient worshipers waited outside the temple anxiously for the high priest to come and give them good news, right? But he's saying that those obstacles are gone now because of what Christ did on the cross. We have access to him. I often can find myself coming to gatherings, whether they're on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening, I often find myself stumbling into them, to be quite honest. I often let those gatherings happen to me rather than uh, being ready for God to speak, if I'm quite honest. See, Hebrews is reminding us to come to worship, 
not just in private, through private worship and prayer. Those are enormously important to the faith. But he's saying in public as well. We get to come together as a community to worship God and encounter his presence. A second reason we gather is to encourage one another in the gospel. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 say this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a few words uh, or phrases that stick out to me in those verses. The first word is the word consider. Consider. Consider how we. Right? Gathering requires us to think about how we show up. It requires intentionality rather than just causality. When we show up to gatherings, we will be formed by them. But how we show up will change the way that they form us. What does it look like to consider how we enter into gatherings? Does that mean that we maybe shift our Sabbath rhythms so that Sabbath leads into gathering? Does it mean that maybe we spend time praying before gatherings, whether they're on Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays? How we show up to gatherings matters. And I'm not saying that you need to show up ready to go, looking all nice and fancy, right? Acting like you have it together, right? God wants the opposite of that. He wants us to come as we are, right? But thinking, how, consider, how are we coming to gatherings? The second part of that phrase, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That word spur translates uh, to like the word pester or irritate. And usually that word has a negative connotation, right? We don't want to be irritated. We don't want someone to pester us. At least I don't. Um, But here, the Greek word, it actually has a positive connotation. Uh, the, The use here is meant to provoke the apathetic or the fearful person into activity. And so contextually wise, uh, the people that the author right here, she is writing to this people that have, have, some of them have given up gathering, right? And it was for fear of persecution. It's a lot easier to not be persecuted if you just don't show up. So that word uh, spur one another on is meant to provoke each other, to stimulate each other, to make each other dream. The third phrase that stuck out to me was encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. I don't know about you, but I've never received some encouragement from someone and been like, man, I really wish they didn't share that with me. Like, I I wish they would have waited till like next week. Like, I, I could use it then, right? Like, I always love encouragement. Getting encouragement is really, really amazing. And when we gather, we should be encouraging one another, right? One of the reasons why we gather is to encourage one another in the gospel. N.T. Wright says this. He says, Everyone who comes to the door of the place of worship, whether it be in a back street or a great cathedral in a public square, is a real encouragement to everyone else who is there. See, your presence is an encouragement to our community. Right? Just by being present, it sends a message that this thing that we do, right, this time that we carve out each week or in the middle of the week, right, it matters. Uh, if, 
Monday through Friday, um, I work at a junior high in Mesa. And uh, last couple of years, I've transitioned out of teaching full-time, and now I'm what's called like an instructional coach, which is a fancy title that means I support teachers. Um, I help teachers try to become better teachers, kind of like coaches help their athletes. Um, and so one of the things that I've been doing uh, in my role is I meet with other coaches once a week, uh, coaches from all over Mesa that are at different sites. And it's sort of like a, a debrief time. There's, sometimes there's training. Sometimes we just get to talk about what's going on, struggles that we're facing, things that are going well, et cetera. And so as I've gone to these uh, gatherings, these weekly gatherings, uh, there's four or five other coaches that I've really connected with uh, in the last year and a half. And we've connected for a variety of reasons, but one of the main reasons we connect is because we have a really similar vision of education. We think about education really similarly. We um, can kind of push each other to dream about what a school could look like if students uh, engaged in like meaningful learning tasks. And I could go on and on, but you get the idea. There's people that are like-minded, okay? And after our trainings, we usually linger a little bit and connect with each other. And one of the things that I've noticed is that over the last year and a half, as we talk about struggles that we're having at our campus, and as we hear what's going on in West Mesa versus East Mesa in schools, there is this time of creativity that happens. As I hear about something that Smith Junior High is doing, I'm wondering what would that look like at Shepherd Junior High, right? We stimulate each other's thinking. We dream together. And I think that's the idea of the church here, right? When we get together, it should stimulate something we're not doing this just because we like hanging out together 90 minutes on a Sunday or a couple hours on a Wednesday, right? It is meant to encourage one another in the gospel, to stimulate each other, to encourage one another. So we gather to encounter God's presence, and we gather to encourage one another in the gospel. A third reason that we gather as the people of God is to equip one another to faithfully take up our role in God's story. One of the ways that we equip one another to faithfully take up our role is through the intentional design of Sundays. The way Sundays are outlined are meant to lead us through the entire true story. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I remember the first time I made this connection, I was like, that's been happening all along. Holy cow. Um, so if this is new to you, I'm going to kind of walk you through the, the outline of a Sunday because it's really important to the fabric of what we do. So we always start with creation. We begin with a song of praise, of remembering and reorienting around our good creator God, right? We stand in awe of his good creation. Then we move into uh, the act of the story, rebellion. We move into confession, right? Humanity's rebellion leads us to a song of repentance and communal confession. We confess each week the ways we have each individually and also collectively sinned and rebelled against our creator. And then we move into assurance, right? Promise. After confessing our rebellion against God, the liturgy always moves us towards assuring us of the good news of God. That he promises to rescue us and redeem all of his creation, no matter how broken or warped it's become. Then we move into redemption. Often through the sermon, we desire to put Jesus on display and invite everyone to submit their lives to him, to his reign. Then church, each week we see how we as the church are implicated by the gospel 
We are redeemed to play our role in God's mission faithfully. We take the bread and the wine, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, who made us into a new family. Communion empowers us by the Spirit to live in the true story. And then we always end with restoration, right? We end our gatherings being sent into the world to live as God's people in all of life. We put out our hands to receive a final reminder and commissioning to go in the power of the Spirit and the love of Christ. So just by being physically present, you are experiencing the true story every single week. You are sitting in that good news. I'm going to go back to Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 25, the last verse that we looked at, says this, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, it's difficult to equip one another to take up our role in God's story when we aren't gathering. Verse 25 warns against this. While the time and the place are different from our context they believed that gathering wasn't essential for survival. Verse 25 reveals that some people had given up the habit of gathering. And again, this was out of fear of persecution. Our reasons may be a lot different. But Hebrews declares, right, the author is saying there's no place for that here. Every believer needs the encouragement of everyone else. Equipping one another isn't just for those on stage or those who have the microphone or those who are in charge of formation in your MC or those that are with the kids. Hear that, Miss you. Equipping is for every member of the people. We equip through songs, through prayer, through teaching. Yes. But we also equip one another through passing the peace. We equip one another through our DNAs. We equip one another as we send texts to each other throughout the week. Everyone in here has a role to play when it comes to equipping. So we gather to encounter God's presence. We gather to encourage one another in the gospel. And we gather to equip one another to faithfully take up our role in God's story. What barriers get in the way for you? What are obstacles that keep you from engaging in gatherings? Maybe it's believing that your presence doesn't matter. Maybe you believe that you can get your needs met elsewhere. Or that you don't have the energy or capacity to show up. I share those three because those are three that I've resonated with over time. All three have gotten me on Sundays and Wednesdays. To be honest... Uh, and I love all of our MC members that are here, but Wednesdays are really hard for me sometimes to show up to. It's the middle of the week. I'm usually tired. There's a lot of other things I typically would want to do. These all get me at one point or another. Maybe there's a fourth one that's missing. What are things that get in the way for you? A couple years ago, uh, we were new to Missio, still, new-ish, uh, maybe a year or two into being a part of this community. And uh, there was a Saturday where uh, all of a sudden we decided we really wanted to go up north. Uh, it was kind of this time of year, right, the long, hot summer that 
you're just waiting for it to cool down and it wasn't so we're like well let's go find the cooler temperatures and Saturday afternoon we're like we're just itching to go like itching to get out of the valley and so we did we drove up north and we found an Airbnb and as we were up there we're like oh shoot like I think I'm in kids tomorrow like and I, I think you're leading worship not totally sure maybe it was John um, right there was this moment of that we we uh, got out of the valley and were seeking this cooler weather, right? This experience that we just felt like we needed. And I think the reality is, right, in that moment, and we didn't make it back for the gathering, in case you're wondering, um, there was that moment that I was, I was buying into all of these messages, right? I, it was okay that we weren't there. There's going to be other people there. My presence doesn't matter that much. I don't have the energy or capacity to be present with people on Sunday morning. I'd rather just be sipping my coffee on a porch at a really nice Airbnb flag. I can get my needs met there. I can meet God up in the mountains, right? Yes, those are all true, by the way. We can get our needs met elsewhere, but there is something powerful that happens when we come together as the people of God. So what do we do with all of this? What is Hebrews 10 inviting us into as believers? I think that there's three invitations for us today. The first is to encounter. To come ready to encounter God's presence. Again, whether you are gathering on a Sunday or Wednesday or Friday or Saturday, to come ready. What does that look like? To come ready. To posture ourselves in a way of being expectant to see and hear from God. I think the second invitation is to encourage. If you look around the room, there's a lot of brothers and sisters in this room. Encourage someone. Pray for a member in your MC or your DNA. Send a text to someone throughout the week. Encourage them in the work that they're doing that is tiring Monday through Friday. And a third imitation is to equip. To remember that you have something to offer. You have something to offer the people that you are with throughout the week. You can equip. I want to end with a few verses from the Gospel of John. In chapter 7 of John, we see Jesus gathering with people during the Festival of Tabernacles. And on the last day, he gets up and he shares these words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. One of the beautiful things about the story of God is that we are invited into the story as we are. As we are. If anyone thirsts, anyone, not if you have your act together and you need a drink, come. Not if you just have a Stanley Cup, come. It is anyone. That was for you, Alps. God doesn't want our best selves getting all dressed up and looking fine as we come to the table. He wants us to come as we are, heavy-hearted, tired, worn, to come and receive the living water. 
And that's the invitation that uh, we come to the table this morning. Right? Each week we come to the table to remember what Jesus has done for us, not what we've done for ourselves. And in a minute, as you come and receive the bread and juice, may you come expectant for God's presence. May you come encouraged by the good news of the gospel. And may you come to be equipped by the Spirit for the work that he has for us. And as you come to the table, I remind everyone we're going to come kind of this way, and then you can circle back. We are going to take communion together, uh, but Coral and I will have the elements up here. So Missio Mesa, you are welcome to the table.